Set yourself a New Year goal, they said. It'll be fun. <sighs> Perhaps swimming in the Irish Sea wasn't such a good idea. Set a more achievable goal, like taking control of your finances with personalised money insights in the Bank of Ireland app. It'll help keep track of your spending, like changes to bills, or you might have too many subscriptions. See your tailored money insights, because your financial well-being is our priority. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Terms and conditions apply. Great. There goes my towel. The Left Wing, brought to you by Bank of Ireland, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. Never stop competing. They were O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is cutting back inside! Leicester have another! Darcy O'Driscoll oh. through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, step and score! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's Rugby Podcast. I'm Will Slattery and we have an action-packed show for you this week. In part two, we will be joined by Keen Tracy to discuss all the latest rugby news as Graham Rowntree has been named Munster head coach. But first in part one, we're delighted to be joined by Sean O'Brien, who last week announced his retirement from the game. Sean, really appreciate you joining us. Has it been a strange couple of days since you made the announcement? You know, everyone tweeting about you in almost the past tense, probably a bit like watching your own funeral. <laughs> hopefully not watching my own funeral but um i don't know it's been um it's kind of been refreshing to be honest just to have it out there and um kind of know what i'm going to do now you know in a, in a month's time or so that rugby is no more so it's it's kind of nice i'm kind of looking forward to it even though to be when the time actually comes it'll be quite strange not going back into pre-season and um i can kick back and uh have a few more points and uh, bits and pieces. So it'll be, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be strange, but it'll be nice. I'm looking forward to it. And is any part of you kind of a bit, a bit of fr- kind of fearful or afraid of what the future holds? Like you've been a pro rugby player for, you know, 15 years, you know, is there, is there a bit of a kind of trepidation about taking that next step? Uh, there definitely is. Yeah. Um, probably more so six or eight months ago. And this is kind of when I, when I kind of, knew, okay, well, I have to make a decision at some point. I was probably more anxious about it then and a little bit up in the air. But um, I suppose you, you bring it back to what you've based your rugby career on, of your work ethic. Um, you know, I've always worked hard, so no matter what I go into, I can always fall back on that alone. Um, and it's never really about getting into a massive big job or anything like that. It was always about, um, you know more so self-satisfaction and um, doing something I enjoy. So whatever that is, whatever I am going to do after playing rugby, I'm definitely going to enjoy it. And if I'm not enjoying it, I won't be doing it. Um, you know, that's probably the thing I've I've loved about the team environment is how much fun you have together in a winning changing room around the environment. So um, whether that be in a business sense or um, whatever it may be, I look forward to that and... Whatever I get into, hopefully I can, um, you know, get my head down and uh, be, uh, I suppose, be a success. And Luke, how do you reflect on Sean's career? Luke, you know, you played with him for so many years and for Leinster and Ireland. You know, what do you, what are your thoughts? Very hard to stay nice about Shawnee, to be honest with you. Um, he's a real bollocks. No, uh, <laughs> uh, no. Look, I think um, you know, so all the, all the, the lovely things being said about Shawnee, and um, you know, I can only echo them. I would say. You know, for anyone watching Sean's career, I always feel like you could kind of get confused watching Shawnee and that, you know, obviously he's very physical, um, you know, very fit guy. Um, but I always thought Shawnee and with most of the best players, your your Drickos, your your Johnny Sexton's, your Paul O'Connell's. Yeah, good, very good athletes, excellent athletes. But I thought their brain was what separated them. I think I put Jamie Heaslip in that category as well. Uh, very smart rugby player, lovely skills. Uh, understood how to use all those things to really make space for himself. I mean, it was amazing how I always found it amazing how he didn't put two guys on Shawnee every time anyway. But the more I played with him, the more I realized he could pick you apart with a pass as well. So um, great player, had a super career. Uh, I think he'll be brilliant at whatever he decides to do next because he's never, you know, even with all the great things he's achieved, I think his feet have stayed in the ground. So uh, as, to- as tough as I was to say anything nice about you, Shawnee, I think that's that's probably where I'll have to end it. Um, but I think you'll do great whatever you decide to do next. You're 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 not the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. 
And uh, we, we, probably, we might ask you in a little bit about, you know, maybe some of your plans for, for the future, but maybe look back a little bit first. I don't know if you've, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've seen tweets, people sending you and looking back at great moments of your career. You know, how proud are you of what you have achieved over the last, you know, 15 or so years? I know, I definitely, there is a sense of um, great satisfaction. And I am proud of what I've done because I probably never expected it, to be honest, or never thought that I would get to where I got to. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I kept my head down. Um, I'd done whatever I could when I would win any, any game I played. And, um, you know, I'm, I am proud of what I've, what I've achieved, especially, um, you know, from Tolo and uh, from the rugby club at home. It's always been a big part of me as well. So it's it's nice to, to have that satisfaction with people in the area as well, um, you know, that it can be done. And um, I hope I've uh, added a lot of value everywhere I went. So, yeah, no, I am. I'm, I'm extremely proud of what I've achieved. And Luke, what was your first impression of Sean when you came across him at Lancer? <laughs> this should be He's, good. Who's this mucker? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, look, I, I, when I think all the things I said, I mean, I was probably amazed. I mean, look, he, he kind of runs with a serious ferocity into things, but he had great touch and skill and timing. You know, so I think anyone who was looking at Shawnee, I mean, how he timed his runs, he was always really good at cruising into nice positions and then really accelerating into stuff. I, I was really amazed with the smaller details of his game. As, as you know, look, I think there was lots of guys in Leinster. I'm sure you probably would have learned a bit from the likes of Keith Gleeson was a very smart rugby player. You know, Shane Jennings around you. Look, you guys would have been competing for a long time. Jamie was there. All these guys. I mean, I think, you know, and, and I benefited certainly from that in Leinster. Like great coaches, like really good cro- coaches. Like Mike Brewer would have been there when we were there for Shawnee. But you know, Cheka and Knox. Knox, he was a bit mad, but he was still had some great ideas. Um, you know, Alan Gaffney, all these guys. I think we were both very lucky to, to come in contact and come in at a time in Leinster where there was real change happening and real positive change. And I think while, you know, I, I would say both of us, and it's probably fair to say, had, you know, a, a certain amount of ability uh, and probably belief in our own games, even if we didn't know where we were going to get to. Shawnee probably... I, I felt like I was always destined for great things, um, but, but, but I never think bad of myself. Um, but uh, I think we came in at a great time and with great players around us. And I think, you know, it's the same in any business or anything like that. You know, you good, the, the people around you really help you flourish and make the best of yourself, you know. And I think, um, you know, looking at Shawnee, I think he did that. And I think we both were a function of the environment that we were in, um, which was very, very positive in Leinster. We came in at a period where, as I said, a lot of change, a lot of positive change. So I think we benefited from that. You have to be, you know, as much as you have great belief in yourself and your abilities, I think sometimes like, there's a lot of luck that comes into your life. The more you look at things in your life um, and the older I get, the more I think, Jesus, that was really lucky that, you know, I was, you know, say I was very lucky, lovely family, you know, pushed me very hard into lots of things. Great coaches in my fo- Gaelic football, hurling all the way up rugby. And I'm sure Shawnee would say the same thing. Like there's, there's people you come in contact with all the way that, change the journey like change the destination uh, of, and change i think the ceiling might be even a better word it raises it for you the, the better the more good people you come in contact with the you know the, the bar gets higher for you uh, of, of where you can reach and of course you still have to do the work yourself but um yeah that, that's probably sorry i know i've gone off on a bit of a tangent but i do feel we were both a bit lucky but shawnee look super player yeah and i think he he's achieved loads of great things in, in his career and i think we're very well deserved because he was a great worker too you know yeah, Sean, I know you mentioned your debut against Cardiff in your statement when you when you were retiring. I think you said you were 20 years old. Excuse me. And uh, I was wondering like, what advice you'd give that 20-year-old player on his on the bus to his first ever game now that you've kind of gotten to the end of the journey and you've completed your career. Like, is there anything you go back and you tell yourself just at the start of the journey? There's probably not, to be fair. I was, um, I always backed the good things that I was doing at rugby at that stage. I was still obviously learning a lot as a 20-year-old. And as Luke, he said, I only said this the other day to someone, it was like uh, we were products, this whole group, myself, Luke, Johnny, Dave, Keane, all these boys of such experienced players around us and some brilliant players who had soldiered for so long and were in the trenches for long, uh, for so long. But I think um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything from when I was a young fella. I, I, I backed myself, I suppose, as a 20-year-old and I used my, my strengths, which were my ball carry at the time, and my physicality probably um and i just backed that and as as you get a bit older you start developing different aspects to your game and start becoming more and more intelligent and and you see things a lot quicker than other people do and that helps obviously with your game but 
Oh, I just, I just think to enjoy and back yourself, uh, what you're good at. That'd be, <coughs> excuse me, that'd be my advice to um, a 20 year old now coming into that system again, um, because the rest of it is 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 coachable and it's um, it's about the environment and who you have around, you, obviously of of where you go next. But no, just back yourself and 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 just enjoy what you're good at. When do you think you're playing your best rugby? I actually, do you know what? I think I was, I was. Someone asked me this recently as well, and I taught the Lions Tour um, in 2017 when I had everything in my game. And it was the first time probably in that environment where I could express everything in the game, whether that be in a poach, whether it be good carries, whether it be my handling. Um, I remember some of the lads after the Crusaders game that we played on that tour. That was my first game playing on that tour. And it was like a test match. But they said to me afterwards, Jesus, I didn't think you could pass like that. Or, um, you know, you never pass the ball. <laughs> I could have told him that, Shawnee. Yeah. I didn't need to pass it, though. <laughs> but um, just a few bits like that. So I actually felt that I was um, probably the most rounded I'd been um, in uh, 2017. Um, obviously, 2011 and 12. I was a bit unknown in 11 and 12. Uh, 12, I suppose, I was injured for the first half, of it, but um, in the bigger games, I, I was probably, you know, at my finest point too. But um, I think 2017 for me was probably some of the best rugby I've ever played. Yeah, and it's funny when that, that try was just tweeted so much there the other day against the All Blacks in that first test. <laughs> like, it is one of the all-time great. It's up there with, like, that Barbarians one from the 70s that they always show, like... On, on the end of everyone else's second good work, yourself and Heaslip are unbelievable poachers. Unbelievable. <laughs> like, second, two tries for Ireland. Those lads have, like, try machines. Oh, like, there's a reason for that. They're piggybacks is what they are, piggybackers. <laughs> but in fairness it's funny because i always think you know when you look at yourself and i think jamie too to a certain extent great readers of the game you know because you would have had to because all the forwards i think people like do you remember joe schmidt when he came in to leinster and he started he, he'd stop a clip in the first couple of weeks he'd stop a clip and everybody be looking at the ball going what's he stopped here for and he'd point at the other side of the camera going what the fuck are you doing here and i always thought that jamie and you were really good at being alive when you're away from the ball because forwards oftentimes would be ahead of where backs are anticipating where breaks might happen, anticipating things like that. We see lots of scrum halves doing it. It's been, it's very popular in media to see that, but forwards are great at that too. There's a few people who are brilliant at it. I thought you were great at that. For any young player, would you say, I think it's, you were always alive on the pitch. And I think that's why you're on the end of those things. Do you think that was, I always felt it was a strength of you anyway. You talk about coaches and stuff, but I always remember, um, Joe in particular saying like if you get three touches of a ball within within a like a period of time you'll probably score you will be the one scoring the ball the old Gary Ella saying yeah it was the, the Ella brothers yeah it was and I remember like in in the early days when we were setting up game plans and stuff I was carrying an awful lot off maybe first second phase but then when I got to fifth phase or sixth phase I was on the ball again and I used to try and have I suppose the one thing I didn't want to do when I was playing the game was not like go in and out again. I always want to try and be involved. But I suppose the other thing was that when he, I suppose, really met us all students of the game, you're starting to think a step or two ahead in training of, okay, I'm carrying here, but in two phases time, I know where that ball is roughly heading and I need to be working towards that way. And it's easier said than done, actually, because even as even with my coaching I had on, you're trying to tell fellas, you know, get up from this first rook and you get north straight away and you're going to be in a great place for, for the break off a second or third phase here. But when you're lying on the ground on your back after carrying a ball, it's it's hard to register with some people like to, to actually, OK, what's my next job instantly? Not like looking at the ball for two two minutes or a minute and, and then reacting to it. So I think I think just having Joe there at that time and um, the coaches that we had and some of the players who were really smart at as well, like Owen Redden was brilliant at at, at working off the ball into really good places. Um, lads like that, it just it brings you to that next level, I think, as well. And, and obviously, I was studying the game a lot at that stage as well, trying to become better. But um, yeah, I, I used to try and get my hands on as uh, get as many touches as I could. Without being too greedy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had noticed that all right on the wing when I was waiting for the ball. Uh, it's funny that you say that because I think we were lucky. The likes of Redden was brilliant for, for like, he'd nearly be playing everyone else's game 
you know, <laughs> while the game was going on. And Johnny's a bit like that too, I suppose, as well. So we had guys on the pitch who were, who were great at that too. And in terms of your, of your own kind of career now, and, and so it's interesting to hear those kind of moments and what you think about your own game. Um, you know, in terms of, of being a student of the game and you've done a little bit of coaching, is there anything in the future for you there, do you think, or do you leave that behind? What, what's your, or are you just going to take a little break and have a think about things? What's the, what's the thinking at the moment? Because I feel like you'd be, you know, certainly it'd be a loss for other forwards to not, you know, not hear from you and not get those ideas about, how, I mean, how did that guy play the game? Because I, I do feel there was periods where in your career, you know, where you certainly were, if not the best, one of the top players in the world. You know, I, I think it'd be a shame if people didn't get to hear from you. Yeah, no, it's it's um, it's something I really enjoy. I actually do enjoy coaching, even though people probably think I'm a bit grumpy and stuff. But it's when something comes off at the weekend that you've planned during the week and that you've executed and you've coached during the week, there's a, there's a lot of satisfaction in that. And it's it's great to see the enjoyment it puts on a team or, you know, um, a bunch of forwards, for instance. Um, like last weekend, I was, I was coaching the London Irish uh, amateur team. I've just been giving them a hand probably the last six or seven games. They're, they're in a pretty bad spot, but we won the last game of the season there. But some of the stuff we worked on on Tuesday and Thursday, they've done exactly that and scored four incredible tries at the weekend. And it's just, you know, it was it was great to see them enjoying themselves after the game. But I obviously got the kick out of it too, going, right, we, we coached them this during the week. They executed it and it came off. So they must be doing something right, even, even at that lower level. But it's... It's something, regardless of what I get into, if it's not in, in a rugby environment, I will definitely coach. If I'm back home, I'd love to coach my own club again, Tolo. I even I, I would love to get involved maybe with like um, a college set up in terms of like a Kilkenny College or a schools program or something like that. Um, because I, I think I can add I think I could add a lot of value. Um but you know that's not for me really to decide. It's for it's for if there was openings in coaching and, and gaps here and there. But um, I do enjoy coaching, and I do uh, I do see myself staying involved at some level or capacity going forward. And of the coaches you've played under, like some of the greats, Joe Schmidt, you know Michael Checa, you spent a bit of time with Warren Gatlin. Like you know, are any of them similar to what you you're like as a coach? Like what kind of coach are you like? Do you think? The, the funny thing about this is that I, I probably thought Joe's way of coaching initially was like the the dog's bollocks as such. I thought like because he was so detailed and his analysis of other teams and his knowledge of other teams was was so good that you just stick to his game plan and you win. You, you win all the time if you if you execute properly. But now, just with the way things are, with defences being set, with coaching getting better, with people figuring out like um, you know how teams attack, it's you need a bit of you need a lot of variation in your game, and you need a lot of unstructured rugby now. And that's probably what I've gone towards now. I like having a few uh, set plays in the game, but not many. Um, but it's it's shape and unstructure and attacking from both sides um, of the ball, wherever it may be on the field. Um, so that's kind of if I'm coaching, that's what I try and coach. Um, try and get the ball to space as quickly as possible, wherever that may be in the field. Um, but it's um, it depends on the level you're coaching at, obviously as well. I'm coaching Rosalind Park over here, who are in that one team, and I'm doing their defence with them, and they soak information very, very quickly. And then the likes of the Geester in London too, which is three or four divisions down, which you have to be more repetitive with them. Um, just you to get three through. coaching jobs. I'm doing the money. I'm only giving the keys to hand because I went. I went down one night, Lukey. Genuinely, I went down one night to give him a hand with some D stuff, and I was looking around, going, "I actually have to give these lads more of a hand because it was, it wasn't, it wasn't great." But um, that's typical. You like you're now like you be club treasurer now in a couple of weeks. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 funny. It it, it depends on on the, the hand you're dealt as well. I think and what players you have available to you to to actually put um, a game plan in place to suit them, to suit yourself, to suit to, to suit them, what they're about, and and you know the type of players you have. Um, so it's it, it, it definitely would vary. And in terms of like then as a man manager, then you know what what kind of of the coaches you've had would you say you align with? Obviously, you said the on field stuff there, the way you want to attack. But then in terms of how, actually how dealing with the players on a one to one basis, 
of the people you played under, who would you maybe be similar to, do you think? Decky. Oh. <laughs> it wouldn't be Decky anyway. He'd, he'd tell you that himself. Um, no, I suppose I'd be pretty direct. I'd be pretty direct as a man manager. Um, and you'd probably, you'd, you'd know what I expect from you as a player. Um, but at the same time, I'd like to think I have that empathy and, and that arm around your shoulder if, 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 I, if I get a feeling that there's something not quite right or um, you know that things aren't going that well for you as, as a, on, on a human level. But I, I, I think being direct with people and just being completely honest and open is, is the way forward. And I, I find it suits me best anyway. Um, but um, you, have to, you have to be aware of your surroundings, I think. I've, I've, I've learned that a lot since I've come over here in terms of just different... Um, different nationalities, different people, different cultures, where when we were in Leinster, I could say to Lukey uh, on the pitch, I could say, I could tell him to F off or I could I could say, you you didn't run the right line there and he'd, and he'd taken on board. Probably, actually, Lukey would probably come back with a whole explanation of why he'd done it, but <laughs> he, he, would, he, would, he would acknowledge it at least and, and the same would be said for me if Johnny had to go at me or if Lukey had to go at me. I'd just take it on the chin and go, yeah, I'll move on and that's it. But that's because we were all from the one area and we all grew up kind of in that environment together where when I came over here, it's very different. You have to, you have to find out what makes people tick first and foremost and, uh, and act accordingly then to that. Because if I went after someone over here, for instance, uh, on the field, they might not, you might not get the best out. And I, I suppose that's what it's about getting the best out of people for the, at, at the weekend. Um, so yeah, there's 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 so much actually coaching though. It, it fascinates me a little bit too because it's it's a, it's actually complex and it's quite hard. It's funny you mentioned that you know the different nationalities and being in a different league. Because I think when Johnny Saxon went to Racing, it was similar. Maybe the way he liked to do things was very different for the French players. So it's kind of giving you a new appreciation of kind of the nuances, as you say, being in a different league with a different team and different environment. Oh, it definitely has over here. Like the, I've 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 such a respect for the Premiership now. Um, before I probably thought it was slow and um, not as organised as us, but now that you're playing in it, you know you have a, you have a big you have a big pack every single week to deal with. You have the physical players, you have some world class players in this Premiership, and you have some really really exciting uh, attacking teams that are incredibly dangerous. And um, you know they've 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 sorted a lot of stuff out in this league over the past few seasons, and it is a uh, it's a it's such a such competitive league. Incredible. Do you think it's been a good move, Shawnee? Yeah, yeah, I do, Lukey, to be honest, because I obviously, um, you know, when you're in that bubble in Dublin and you've been there for so long, I, I didn't realise um, what was outside of that, really. I knew there was I knew there was home. I knew there was uh, where I was comfortable. But outside of that, I didn't, I didn't think that this was like, over here, how friendly people are how open people are, how well people want you to do, Irish people, the Irish community over here too, how great they are like with you. Um, and I never would have expected that, to be honest, before I came over. And everyone, probably any, anyone that knew me probably said, geez, you won't like it over there. But I actually really, really like it over here. Um, and it's, it's a great place to be. Is it a frustration that, you know, you mentioned 2017 as, as your high point that, you know, with, with the injuries you've, you've you know, kind of suffered in the, in the years since or past that, you, you didn't get to maybe go over to London Irish at the peak of your game, maybe in the 2017 form or before that and, and kind of really take on the premiership at your very best? Ah, no, not really, to be honest. I, I don't have any kind of regret like that. But the only thing I would have loved to have done was, even though it was a disaster for Ireland, would have been that 2019 World Cup. Um, that was that was the the big one for me as such. I probably knew after that that um, they were going to wash their hands at me, maybe. But <laughs> I was hoping, um, you know, that my hip would get there, but it didn't. But that was probably because 2015 the World Cup ended on a bit of a sour note for me. I was like, I really, really wanted to put my hand up and go um, right here. We are again now, and and bring the team to another level. But um, no, I've I've no real like I've played some I've played some really good rugby over here at times. Um obviously my body can't do can't do what it used to do. But um I've been really pleased with my um effectiveness in games and how I'm trucking in games and my work in games and what what I'm getting through, to be fair, and more so this season than the last two. I've had a few bits and pieces obviously. 
uh, was a very unknown thing with the hip and I had a few calf issues on my other side and bits and pieces like that. So finally we got the right balance this year and I've been, I've been available for uh, oh, the majority of games. I think I've had, I had COVID once, which kept me out of uh, one, one or two, but that was it really. And like, how is the body kind of, in, as you look to the end of the career, like, is it, you know, is it, has, have you recovered from that hip problem you had for a few years? Like, are you leaving the game in a good physical state as well? Yeah, I actually am, believe it or not. I think, I think everyone, I know it takes me a while to get strapped up for games now, but like, I actually feel really good. I feel strong. Um, I feel quick. Um, and um, that was the thing. Some of the lads here were saying to me, why don't you just play one more year? Like, and I was like, no. I was like, I, I know when my time is up and um, if I do like get home or if I did um, want to play a bit of like club rugby somewhere, like I, I'd still well be able to do that, obviously. And that's probably a thing that I will do regardless of where I am, because I just I just want to be out in the rough and tumble. Imagine trucking up for your Sunday game and your man showing up for Tullo like you'd be like. And there's no doubt you'll stick. You'll be like me. You'll stick another ten kilos on that rig. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm telling you. Luke, you, you be hor- horrified as the. I'll be down to, be down to 100 kilos. I'm 110. I'm I've ever knew. Honestly, I I I'd be horrified if I was the opposition ten and Shawnee showed up for a little Sunday game. Like, could you imagine? They'd be miserable. Like, we'd just leave him alone. <laughs> Just I'd go probably, coaching or something, would you? I'd probably, play, I'd, probably, I'd probably actually play in the backs, would you believe? At that level, I'd probably play 12 or something. <laughs> like Scott Gibson to say, right? What a lovely thought. Uh, yeah, so Sean, you mentioned there you don't have any regrets. So there's, there's no one game that you'd like to have back, no one kind of one match that you'd love to replay and, and maybe change the result. There's only one game I've ever thought about, and um, that's that 2015 World Cup game against Argentina, the one I was banned for. Um, I genuinely believed like so so much um, that I was if I was on the field that day, we would have got over the line. Um, Luki actually scored a cracker in the second half in that game, but we were down four or five of our starters before the start of that game. Paulie, Johnny, I think Pete. Uh, I was banned. At, I don't know who else was missing. There was someone else missing, um, but. Jared Payne was missing too. Jared, Jared Payne, yeah, and he was on. He was having a great uh, time of it at the time. So he's a big player that, for us. Yeah, yeah. That, that was uh, that's the one game I'd love to go back and be available for. Um, um, but no, other than that, no, no, I um, no no regrets other than that. Thankfully, well, Sean, congratulations on a great career. We really appreciate you joining us. Thank you very much, lads. Well, we're delighted to be joined by Keen Tracy to discuss all the latest news. Keen, how are you? All good, lads. Busy day. How are you getting on? Yeah, very busy day. I'm after a busy weekend as well. Yeah, we might as well start with some of the news today. Graham Rowntree confirmed as, as Munster head coach. It's funny, we had run on last week and that was one of the big talking points we were going over is when will Munster actually announce their coach? It was looking like it was going to be Graham Rowntree and I think anyone who saw the Exeter game and saw the halftime clip of him kind of reading the right act to the players while Johan van Grand sat off to the, to the right or the left of him, you know, might have put two and two together and thought he was the right man for the job or certainly would be appointed soon enough. Well, you know, what do you make of the news? Yeah, I think it's 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 just amazing. It's taken so long, I think, to to get to this point. I think it's lot, like long when expected that Graham Rowntree was going to be the new head coach. I mean, he was up today for interviews. Quite interesting to listen to him. He admitted that the last few weeks had been consuming. That it hadn't been a distraction, but it had been consuming. Look, I mean, he threw his hat into the ring. He made no bones about it that he wanted to take over from Van Gran. Um, he's got the gig now. Yeah, so. It's yeah, look, it's exciting. Like it's exciting in a way, but I would have concerns um, as well. Like he's never been a head coach, um, which to me is a risk, albeit a calculated risk. Johan van Graan was never a head coach before he came in. Now Roundtree has far more experience. I accept that, but I think it's very important that Munster get the right assistance in with him um, for for such an experienced head coach. So um, that process is still ongoing. Um, no white smoke yet on who's going to be the attack coach and who's going to be the defence coach. So, look, he's had a front row seat for, I would say, what's gone wrong under this current you know, regime. So if you're to look at it positively, you would hope that because he's seen what went wrong, he knows what needs to be put right. So that would give me, give me hope, would give me encouragement. But like I said, I just think he needs the right people around him because if you were to bring in 
two or three like inexperienced coaches alongside him um, I'm not sure that's the, the way to go forward either so some big decisions still to be made albeit they have the main man in place yeah Luke you were saying earlier you thought it was a, a positive step it's always funny when you know a, a club or a, a country hires from within a setup you know when maybe that setup isn't being very successful at the time but it's worked out for a few like you know Andy Farrell in Ireland you know I know there was some growing pains but now I think it looks like it was a good appointment Leo Cullen in Leinster you know when Matt O'Connor left he came he was the guy got promoted and ultimately it worked out well there so what are your thoughts on this one I'm positive on it because I just know him a little bit um you know obviously he's pretty hard-nosed player comes from a great club up in Leicester you know great um I think he understand he'll understand a place like Munster and I think he'll really enjoy it um, being being the top guy, I think he's really enjoyed his time there so far. I mean, it seemed to me like his family have settled in really well. Um, so I think all the like all of the the all of that side of things are very easy to, to take care of, and and then you're down to the quality of of coach that he is. And look, the bit that I saw of him, um, I mean, I suppose you alluded to it earlier on. He's got an excellent CV. Like he's been in lots of great, uh, been around lots of great coaches, loads of experience. Um, I thought he seemed really good. Any of the tiny bits of contact that I had with him, obviously completely different areas of coaching. But um, I think he's also a really good guy. I think he'll have, I, I kind of tweeted about it earlier on, just when I saw the news saying, I think his biggest challenge is going to be picking the, the right guys. Um, and I'm, I'm saying that because it seems like such an obvious statement. But th- what I mean by it is that I think whoever he sits in front of, I think they'll want to work with him. I do. That's my vibe from him. I always think he's he's a real positive guy. Um, you know, I think he's he's tough. I'd say he works very hard. Um, I think he'd be enjoyable to be around on a daily basis. And I, th- he's a winner too. Like you, you know, you you forget that. I know that hasn't been a great tenure under uh, at Munster so far. But look, he hasn't been the head guy. I think, um, he said it himself. He feels like the time is right. And I'd probably think that too. Looking at his career, I think he could go on to be a brilliant coach. Uh, or, or, or I suppose manager, if you like, you know, the, the, the top the top guy, at, or head coach at a club, um, just got to pick astutely now and, and, and make sure he picks someone that, that tailors to the abilities that this squad will have. I, I also think as well, just on, on an aside, I don't always like this, but I do think it is important that Munster recruit some really good, you know, really good one or two players to supplement what they have. I think there's lots of good young quality there. Um, but I think he's the kind of person who could entice some really big time players there. Um, so I hope the IRFU give him a little bit of tether to do that, because I think if he does that, he can turn things around pretty good alongside, as I said, to keep it who he picks to, to coach alongside him. Um, I think he'll be able to get whoever he wants. He just needs to want the right guys. So that's the challenge for him. Keen, just one last thing on, on Roundtree before we maybe move on to some of the, the weekend talking points. I know I remember talking to you about, you know, what was he like to deal with at press conferences? Because in my head, I maybe had a kind of a Richard Cockerless kind of character, you know, very fiery, very compatible. And you kind of painted a completely different picture and said he's actually very different. Uh, did I? Uh, I don't remember that conversation. He's oh. he's quite... He was rude. <laughs> yeah, like, the only reason I'm saying that is because he's quite, like, he's quite direct and short. Like, he, he kind of gets straight to the point. There's no kind of faff or fluff and around issues like if he doesn't really want to answer a question he doesn't really go for it so like you know that's grand when you're the forwards coach but when he's going to be in the hot seat that brings around different pressure and just to touch on one or two of the points that Luke made I think there's no doubting his popularity amongst the Munster squad if you if you speak to any of them they'll they'll tell you that and like how well he's settled but and you touched on Will the the clip, and it was really interesting. I agree with you to see it, like how much we could read into a short clip. Uh, I don't know, but it was still really interesting to see kind of Van Grand just staring up at him as he was reading the riot act. But if there's one thing that Munster, I don't think lack even now, it's passion and it's that fight. The kind of the old cliches that you can roll out. So it's more about the tactical nous, and that is one thing we we're not sure what Graham Roundtree's like head coach philosophy is going to be I think you know from seeing him the teams he's coached um, the forwards that they're going to have a hard nose they're going to have a hard edge but I think Munster are crying out for more creativity more of a spark so they it really can't be a continuation of what we've seen over the last couple of years there has to be 
some some new ideas, some new way of thinking, uh, some more creative backline play. And while okay, that's not going to be directly his remit, it kind of goes back to the point that both myself and Luke are making that it's really important that whoever they bring in, and also it's worth it's worth pointing out that like Munster and Graham Roundtree don't have carte blanche here to to bring in whoever he wants. Like it's an IRFU ultimately decision, and David Nusifora is all over this as well. So. The, the, the book kind of will stop there. So, look, we've seen David Nusifora dip into his contact books. Like you think of someone like Andy Friend coming over. So, it'll be interesting to see if they get a home, if they if they're keen to have a homegrown coach with, within that. There's a couple of guys out there, or else he could be looking left field. Like really and truly, it's a terrible time to be looking for for a top class attack coach and a top class defense coach this close to the World Cup. Like you think of the amount of movement that's going to happen post next year's World Cup. So I think Munster backed into a corner a little bit. I still think it's a very attractive job, despite the kind of the disappointments, I guess, over the last couple of years. When you look at the, the quality of young players coming through, it's definitely still an attractive job, but I just think it's not a great time to be looking for top-class coaches. Yeah, uh, interestingly, I thought in, in the piece you filed earlier from this press conference, he mentioned that, you know, I think when he was doing the interview, he probably would have had a staff that he was maybe putting forward in that interview about, oh, this is maybe a guy I bring in for attack or this is a guy for defense or that's what I took from his comments anyway. So it will be interesting to see when that movement is made on who, who he might be bringing in because as you say, it's it's an integral piece of the puzzle. Um, Luke, you know, another bit of news today was that the Jameson Gibson Park has been cited for that tackle against Connacht last Friday night. Obviously, was one of the major talking points of that Leinster Connacht game, which was an absolutely cracking game. I really got the weekend off, could do a great start, and hopefully we have more of the same on Friday. But you know what? What did you make of that moment at the time? Like, was it a red card in your opinion? Like, it, it was a really divisive one. Just even seeing people reacting on social media. Yeah, I suppose there's two parts of it. You probably lean towards a yes, red card. Um, you know, just in the current climate. Um, and then I'm not so sure on the actual collision itself. You know, when you're kind of thinking on the actual merits of the of the thing itself, was it actually a, a red card? I'm kind of unsure on that. And, and based on those two kind of ways of thinking about it, I'm probably leaning more towards a red card. And look, he's been cited subsequently. So someone saw something there that they thought, mm, I'm not sure they dealt with that adequately, adequately at the time. And I think there's something to answer for there. Um, so I think he was a bit lucky, um, you know, and it was interesting, obviously, the... I'm still finding it amazing that people are finding themselves in these kind of positions. You know, I think you've got to be so, so careful. It can really change a game. Like if he didn't come back on, I think Leinster might well have lost that. Um, I think it was really in the balance for, for a period. And I think coming back to 15 men, it was actually really what settled them. I know there was a few big moments like the, um, the, the scrum and that, you know, there, there were moments that Leinster kind of, um, I thought lifted them and brought them back and, you know, got, got them back to, to, to kind of winning the game, put them in that position. Um, but I think the 15 was what consolidated all that and, and allowed Leinster to push on and, and, and win the game. Um, I think not comfortably, but definitely, I think they were the better team over the 80 minutes. That was the bit that, that was, that was, um, that, that brought the teams closer together, in my opinion. Um, and I think to tie in with that, you see the Ulster collision. I know it's a different collision, but still, um, you know, you just got to be so careful now. I mean, you think about a lot, like so many of the big games there were decided by these collisions. Um, and, you know, I think, uh, do you know what was good to see? I think the Jimmy O'Brien one uh, on the line, I was glad to see that was, that was a bit of common sense, in my opinion. Like there was no malice towards the neck or the, th or the head on that one. It, he did, of course, hit just above the shoulder blade. But I think the referee was, that was, that was a real strong decision. And I thought it was the right one because someone diving towards the line like that, I, I thought that was a bit of common sense and no one was hurt from the collision and it didn't, he wasn't tacking the head as such. It was just above the shoulder, but it was almost at a kind of a, it was at a different angle than, than something that would be kind of dangerous. So I think there was good, but I think people have to be so careful is the real overarching point that I'm trying to get to because so many big games are decided by these decisions now, Will, and I'm interested to get Keane's opinion on, on the collision itself, but um, it amazes me um, you know, how you know, like for the, the, the Toulouse one, particularly, I mean, getting in under, like not getting in the air and being in the landing zone or in that general area, like you must feel like I have to think you're a stupid player if you don't feel like, oh, this is a real risk here if I'm not in the air. Do you know that kind of way? Um, so yeah, look, that, that was probably my thoughts on that, that collision. Well, I'm sure Connor could be very, very disappointed that there was no red. 
Yeah, Keen, it's an interesting uh, kind of weekend for those kind of incidents, considering that, that it was an article, I think it was in the Telegraph, that where rugby are interested now to trial this 20-minute red card more kind of across the game. I know it was briefly in the Pro 14, was it? I think during the Rainbow Cup, if I'm not... Maybe I was yeah. like the Rainbow Cup out yeah. of my, my head because I, did, I didn't particularly enjoy it. But it, like, what do you make of that piece of it as well? You know, in the context of what Luke was saying about how, how often we have seen, I did find it kind of funny in that article that one of the the, the incidents they cited was the Charlie Ewells tackle, which for me like was a fairly cut as a cut and dried red. I don't think that's really what the rule was meant, was intended to be brought in for. But maybe a grey area where you know a Gibson Park one would that be maybe a 20 minute red card then you have your more serious ones that are definitely a Stonewall red where do you kind of stand on that part in the relation to the weekend uh I hate the idea of the 20 minute red card I absolutely hate it I think it's 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 such an interesting topic of this conversation even around uh red cards in general because like my sense of it and I was actually speaking to a coach um off the record about this recently and he was in favor of bringing in the 20 minute red card. But I don't know, my sense of it is from talking to people who are in the game and I'm talking about players and coaches is that people from the outside looking in have a very different view unless you have skin in the game. Um, I just think, yeah, head contact while, you know, I, there wasn't any malice in Gibson Park's part. I just think it was a red card. Um, but like you, you have Andy Friend afterwards saying that he didn't think it was a red card, but he also then mentioned that he didn't think Tom Davies was a red card a couple of weeks earlier, which like was a stonewall red card for me. So, look, I think it's difficult when you're listening to coaches and players talk about this because, I don't know, their livelihoods depend on it, you know what I mean? So from the outside looking in, it's easier, I think, to be more impartial. And I just, yeah, I just hate that red card, the 20 minutes the, the law trial that they're using. I think it's interesting like that it's still going on in Super Rugby. And like you'll say, Ireland are going out to New Zealand this summer and all the Kiwi players have been have been trialing this law. But like even like Luke mentioned the the red card for Toulouse at the weekend. But like even you look at Stad Francais hooker Tolu Latu, who's after getting an 11 week ban today, um like if you commit something like an act of foul play that's so so stupid and so dumb you deserve to be sent off and your team deserves to be punished for your reckless stupidity now i know what you're saying will in terms of it was a little bit different to to gibson parks because it is probably more of a gray area but i think once if you're going down that route of you know trying to have different rules for different thing i think it gets way too complicated okay, like so, we already have that with like a yellow and a red card like is there not can we not trust referees to be able to discern between the incident you mentioned when the start from say hooker just like you know flipped a guy in the in you know who was jumping for the bottom the Toulouse one you know which was quite reckless too and then those other ones that are more hmm it's not a it's 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 definitely not a yellow it probably is a red in the letter a lot but is is there not room in the game for that so we don't have games being ruined by incidents where there isn't a huge degree of danger but it is still an illegal tackle that's what I'm I, I don't I don't think anyone in their like, I don't think anyone's really arguing that there shouldn't be any right cards. That it should always be twenty minutes, and that no matter how severe a tackle is, it should be punished by this twenty-minute red card. But I do think there is potentially room for that kind of middle ground area. I I don't know, but I just think there's enough there's enough ambiguity with these things anyway. Like I feel like you're adding another layer of complexity to something that that doesn't need it. Like I mean, like I'd be of the view that that um, like Charlie Ewell shouldn't be allowed to play until James Ryan is back playing. That's how I feel about those things. Like that was a reckless shot uh, on a guy, and it's going to cut. Like, like our game is in danger with these. Like, I don't think people get how like the the like if that case goes ahead. I mean, like, do you do you lose your insurance carrier? Like, do people still play? Like, there's a whole portion of people who might have pre-existing injuries, and they're kind of saying, "Well, like, I don't think I can play." If the if, you know, if you lose your insurance carrier, like, you're in big, big trouble. Big, big trouble. I mean, um, and that's where we're at with the game with these cases that are going ahead. And like, even the, I don't know, I think, I think we've all made a decision that we're not going to allow this stuff to go ahead. I think you just throw the book at these guys. You just say, sorry, you ruined the game. You cost your team the game. That's it. That's how big making these stupid decisions that that's the impact. That's how, and I think this, like diluting that further, I think is really dangerous. Sorry to interrupt you again, but that really pisses me off that the red, the 20 minute red card thing is, really really silly like we're on a journey to protect the game we're going to have these games that are ruined i think we need to accept that 
but we're doing that with the bigger picture in mind of player safety, player welfare. And let's face it, we want people to continue sending their kids to play this game. And we want people, you know, we want them to be able to play it and still be, have, have players insured. Um, you know, I think if we, you know, there'll be more and more cases if we don't protect guys. And I just think, you know, I just, it's so dangerous diluting this thing further. We're on a journey now. We need to accept we're going to be, where there's going to be a few bad decisions and a few games ruined, I think. That's, that's, yeah, what I think, I think. even the point that I made about, you know, the, the middle ground area, I, like, I didn't get any indication from that piece I read that that was what they were even thinking about. It, it seemed the piece I read that it would just be a 20 minute red card generally like is in crazy you know, which, like, which, like that's which crazy. that is you yeah to, you could take out like an unbelievable player in the opposition team um you know and you know you're back on 20 minutes or whoever someone else comes on i, I think that's crazy open up a whole other world of gamesmanship i, I don't know well what do you exactly. think Sorry, like, I, I know no, i put across you there i'm sure you're no no no, about I, this too. no spot on like, I, I couldn't agree more with, with what you're saying and i already think that we have a problem in the game apart from the headshots of like too much discussion around decisions during the game dragging it on and then like just to will's point if there was a middle ground i just think it creates yeah just even more hassle and delays games longer because i think even from a supporter's point of view and from a journalist's point of view like it's it's very hard to understand some of the disciplinary decisions that are made like the one that sticks in my mind most recently is Bishmark Duplessis, his like spear flip tackle on Alex Kendellen a few weeks ago. Like that, sh- he should have had the book thrown at him for a tackle like that. Like he easily could have broken Alex Kendellen's neck career over and could potentially have been even worse. And that's not being over dramatic really about it. It was a shocking act of foul play. And he gets it. What was it? A three week ban, four week ban or something. Like I-, I couldn't agree with Luke more. I think if you want to deter these acts of foul play, I think you've got to hand out longer bans. That's why I was happy to see Latu get an 11-week ban. Now, he still got one week shaved off for saying that you know he was guilty and he was sorry and stuff. But to me, you should nearly get another week for that if you're saying that it was a red card. So um, I just think the process of the disciplinary hearings is so hard to get your head around from the outside looking in and like there's no consistency in it whatsoever either so i think that's an issue as well and if you were to bring in like you were saying will a kind of a middle ground i just think it complicates things further so i really hope that 20 minutes uh red card never comes into the game here properly I, i think our middle ground as well is covered well enough with the gibson park thing so for example he got a yellow card in the game because referee wasn't 100 sure on um, a few a few things about it, and he wasn't comfortable, you know, giving out a red card based on what he saw. I think he was probably wrong, but leaving that aside, we now have an adjudication process after the fact where he might get a ban and be unable to play. And I think that is our red card twenty minutes. You, do you know what I mean? That that's our that that is our middle ground between the yellow and the red. Is that if the if the the ban isn't or sorry if the you know if that if the uh foul play and the uh resulting um you know kind of uh refereeing decision isn't deemed to be enough we have a process afterwards where we ping guys uh for for things like that and i think that covers it well i do i really believe a yellow and a red is enough like you end up in the black card world then like do we want to be there like has that really solved much i don't think it has in 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 uh, in gaelic football in hurling like for me anyway i, I think to, to, to play devil's advocate in that luke i suppose connacht will have a chance this weekend because it's it's unusual in that it's the second leg but if an opposition team you know doesn't get the benefit of the red card they would argue then it's no good to us you know what i mean the retrospective punishment uh, it's a little bit different this week but but i know the point you're making like like does the red card so for example do you say to the gibson parking say you know what I'm not sure. It's not a red for the full game. It's a red for 20 minutes. Like, I mean, is that a, that's a really difficult. I mean, or else you're saying it's red card for 20 minutes for everything. But like, I, that's that's wrong. That has to be wrong, in my mind. But it's whether you you go. I think that's on the upper end of a yellow card. It's not quite a red for the full thing. But you're like, I don't know. Like, I mean, but even the how, even how the language. Consider, how do you consider? Like, then you're bringing in things like, oh well, how much of the game is left? Do you know mm. what I mean? Like, what if there's 10 minutes in the game left? Do you know what I mean, like, that, all those things come into play, and you're kind of saying, well, does the referee have to decide, you know, what's appropriate here? Um, I don't know. That's that seems to me like it's it's an even more difficult process to 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 kind of 
untangle um, in figuring out if this is some, the right thing to bring into the game. I think it looks like a crazy thing to bring in. Well, it's a very hard sell, especially when they're, you know, player safety is such a big topic. To, it's, 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 it's a, for me, even from a PR perspective, putting aside what you think about whether it should be brought in to, to, to sell that when you're talking about player safety, that you are going to be letting players, you know, come back on or get replaced after 20 minutes is they're, they, they're, they're not really compatible. But even to see the amount of red cards that have been in Super Rugby this season has been crazy. And to think like that every time there is, after 20 minutes, you know, it, 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 they're back to 15. It's just, it baffles me, really, to be honest. And even the language around the Gibson Park one was interesting as well, which is, like, I think another issue. Like, what was it the referee said that um, Kieran Marmion had Except a set? Tackle, like, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like, I, like I know it's a referee is put on the spot and the cameras are on him and he's mic'd up and stuff but I just think the language around the process as well doesn't help I think from you know a supporter's point of view in terms of trying to understand what's actually going on in the decision making process it's just yeah just all very sort of complicated it'll be very interesting to see if if Gibson Park gets banned and what we're recording Tuesday Tuesday evening it'll be very very interesting he'd be he'd be a lost Lencer as well yeah, Keenan, just before we finish up, I quickly, just on the last 16 first legs as a whole, like, how did you find it when? I know we're only halfway through, so we don't really know until the end if it already came together, but did you notice any kind of difference or anything jumping out at you that you found? Did it feel different, I mean, to a regular knockout round? Uh, I suppose it did, really, like, knowing that you had, you know, teams, like, had a second chance, really. Like, I think as a on a principal and on a whole I, I wasn't a huge fan of them because i'd be more of a traditionalist i just think the amount of tweaking with the competition has been really frustrating over the last few years particularly the pool stages but i have to say like when you looked at the fixtures beforehand they all looked like cracking toys and to be honest most of them were and like pretty much all, like all of them were in the balance this weekend so it is interesting um i thought even like it was you know he had Toulouse last weekend against Ulster, like, you know, going for broke at the end of the game, like, even though they knew they had um, a second shot this weekend is interesting. I think I'd be very interested to see, like, someone like Leinster who have so many, you know, set-piece moves in their playbook. Like, were they keeping stuff back for, for this week or did teams kind of go for broke last week? I think that's one of the most fascinating elements of this weekend. I think, like, a tie like Munster Exeter, I'd say you're going to see a repeat of, you know, what you saw in Sandy Park, two teams just slugging it out, whereas I'm fascinated to see if, like I said, Leinster have kept something in reserve. So, um, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of it just because I prefer the old format, but I'm really looking forward to pretty much all the second legs. Great stuff, Keane. Thanks so much for joining us. Cheers, lads. That's all we have time for on the left wing this week. We'll be back next week with another podcast. And in the meantime, you could subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening. And goodbye.